Hello and welcome to Cloud9Fin, a podcast about lending and borrowing and everything in between. I'm Will Cager-Smith coming to you from a very cold New York City today and I'm joined by Himani Trivedi, who is Head of Structured Credit at Nuveen. So welcome, Himani. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you're based on the West Coast, correct? So I hope it's uh, it's a little warmer there than it is here. It's like there's an actual blizzard outside right now. Okay, then I feel better because it's quite gloomy over here too. Okay, well, <laughs> you, should, you should see the view I'm looking at right now. It's not pretty. All right. Well, anyway, back to uh, back to financial markets. Maybe before we get going with the discussion, you could briefly explain your role at Nuveen and, and how you ended up there. Yeah, sure. You know, I uh, uh, so I heard structured credit and run the structured credit business, um, lead PM on all CLOs managed by Naveen. Um, you know, I really started back in 2004 in at Naveen. Um, under what we call the Symphony Asset Management Group, and um, started our Symphony CLO series back in L4. So, um, you know, it was a great way for us to diversify our loan management strategies into other strategies. And CLOs was just getting started, as you can recall, um, particularly on the managed CLO side. And so I've been there about 20 years, you know, have seen different types of market conditions. Um, currently, we have, call it about 16 billion or so assets under CLOs managed across, managed CLOs and investment in CLO tranches up and down the capital structure. All right. So it's fair to say you've seen a lot of history in the CLO market then? Yes. At least 20 years of history. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, um, I wanted to kick off by talking about the current state of the CLO market. And I feel like in the past few weeks, we've seen a bit of a a flood of CLO redemptions and loan BWICs, um, just a real uptick in activity there. Um, and for any listeners that aren't familiar, a BWIC is a essentially a package of leveraged loans that is put up for sale. And often it's a sign that some kind of investment vehicle like a CLO, for example, is liquidating its portfolio um, or slimming it down or something. So Himani, do you expect this kind of activity to continue at its recent pace, which has been quite frenetic. Yeah, I do think so. And uh, it's a factor of market conditions, um, valuations in the loan market. Um, if you think about CLOs and CLO equity in particular, the arbitrage uh, or expected return for that equity is what really, uh, you know, directs uh, what the what what type of investment uh, horizon uh, we are looking at and what type of return or yield is expected. So when you see a market move uh, that you've seen in the loan markets, for example, over the last year or so, a pretty significant move back, um, tightening in the in the asset class, uh, loan asset class, leverage loans, uh, the spreads tightening that we are seeing, we are seeing a bunch of repricing res uh, resets happening on the loan side. So you know, folks who would have bought, uh, institutions who would have bought these equity at discounted prices would like to monetize that uh, if they have control equity. And so it's a great way to liquidate loans in the secondary market, uh, particularly because there's not a lot of issuance on the new loan side. So there is a very strong bid on the secondary side for these loans. Um, so many investors are taking advantage of that. And I do expect that to continue to happen unless we see 
a large uh, uptick in volatility, uh, you know, in the asset class. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So, yeah, you, you actually introduced my next question there. I was going to say that one reason that this flood of redemptions is quite interesting is that I, at the same time that this is going on, leverage loan bankers are quite optimistic about CLO demand for new leverage loans or, or even existing leverage loans, as I'll get into in a minute. And that's partly because there was a big wave of new CLO creation at the end of 2023. And I feel like often people hear the words redemption and BWIC and liquidation, and it's easy to assume that they mean that demand from CLO managers for new loans is reduced. But at the moment, as you pointed out, there is this huge amount of demand for, for loans, whether those are new loans or even loans that are coming back to reprice lower uh, for, for borrowers to cut their interest costs. Um, and it really feels like even though CLO managers generally don't love repricings, um, they have few options right now, but to go along with it. So I'm curious to hear how that repricing wave is impacting the CLO business at Nuveen. Well, generally speaking, when you see a repricing wave come in, which really means that credit is strengthening, the market is ready to invest in the asset class, um, you know, whether it's CLOs, which is probably about 70% of the loan market now, or away from that, you know, new money coming into the asset class, right? Um, so I do think that uh, you get a chance to pick and choose your credit in these markets. You know, there are credits that you might want to not get repriced, and there are other investors who will go ahead and pick that up. Um, so great way to exit a loan that you may not want to own for the longer run, and maybe this was the catalyst you were waiting for. And in other cases, you have the ability to pick up um, new loans that have performed well at a little bit of a discount, uh, as they call OID, um, uh, for, for new CLO creation, right? So hmm. there are new CLOs that are forming, older CLOs that are getting called. And so there is a bit of a demand and supply balance that I see. Um, that is causing this transfer of assets from one type of vehicle into another. So speaking of which, leveraged finance bankers, as I said, have been getting very excited lately by how robust demand from CLO managers for loans, whether existing or, or new, has, has been. And a lot of them are talking about the potential for that strong demand plus i guess the rate environment and the fact that the fed has signaled potential rate cuts um to to basically enable banks to win some deals back from the private credit market you know that's been that was a big story of 2023 was private credit hoovering up kind of uh new supply and also like formerly broadly syndicated loan supply um and one example of that that we've written about recently is cotivity obviously that company was going to sell to Carlisle last year and then that fell through and now KKR's uh, in the running to buy a 50% stake at a, a much lower valuation. Um, and the banks ha seem to have pulled into the lead to win that underwrite, partly because of the rate environment and just overall, I guess, largely because of the pricing advantage, which is obviously driven by leverage loan demand and in particular CLO managers. So I'm curious to hear what you make of that dynamic. Basically, 
that's the the banker's view and you know they're sell siders they're always going to be kind of on the optimistic side but from where you sit do do you feel like syndicated loan issuance could make a big comeback this year yeah i think uh, you know when i think about leverage loan market um or leverage finance market you know you really are seeing high yield um, bonds issuance you're seeing leverage loan broadly syndicated loans issuance and then you see private credit issuance right so from a sponsor's perspective you want to go where you can get the most uh most uh, the best terms possible the uh, the strongest um um or the um you you want to go into the the if, if you think about the sponsor they want to go into a market where they can get the best execution and a very good clarity in terms of how they can execute at what level, right? Mm -hmm. So in 2022, 23, for example, BSL market was a bit shut down. Um, to your point, the banks had other problems to deal with. And so that market was not open. And so private credit got the benefit to be able to step in. And it was easier for these issuers and sponsors to be able to access that. Going forward now, to your point, um, because the rate market is going to be favorable, the banks are essentially able to put on more uh, risk around it. You are going to see more issuance on the BSL side. And with the repricing activity that you're seeing, the demand supply imbalance, these sponsors and issuers are going to get excited about coming back to the BSL market because, you know, they do get better pricing uh, versus, say, a private credit deal would potentially get, right? So I do expect that the issuance will pick up. Now, having said that, you know, for generation of any new LBO, you do still need the math to work. Um, the financing cost is still pretty high. So you could, while you could see more deals come to the BSL market, um, overall, the LBO activity may not be as high as what we have seen in the past years. So going back to CLO creation, obviously CLO creation being one of the things that's driving this current repricing wave. Um, one of the big blockers to CLO creation last year was difficulties in finding CLO equity. Um, and as a result, we saw some big firms like Carlisle, for example, is one that we wrote about launching captive equity funds a lot of them actually quite large captive equity funds to sort of help unblock that part of the CLO pipeline. And you wrote an interesting white paper recently about how it could be quite attractive for LPs to add CLO equity to their private market allocations as a complement to private equity um, and maybe other kind of private market strategies. So obviously that's, you know, that kind of cuts against the idea of this captive equity trend. If we can, if the market can... Uh, convince LPs to see CLO equity as a valuable investment, then captive equity becomes less of a kind of less of a requirement, I suppose. So um, do you think that it's realistic for uh, LPs to see that as an attractive investment? Or do you think the captive equity trend is going to continue for a while? So I do think that that trend continues um, to answer your question, because what has happened is, um, so first of all, there's two parts to the equation. Uh, one is when you're thinking about captive equity managers investing in sponsoring the equity um, and also managing these CLOs, um, they are 
very close to where the markets are. You know, third party equity, for example, is at least one step removed because they are not necessarily managing the loans. They're not essentially seeing everything that is happening at all times uh, across different markets in the leveraged finance space. So you are seeing more and more managers trying to take that route because you can be opportunistic, you can be nimble if you have a captive equity fund. The other thing is many of these third-party equity investors also tend to have funds that invest in CLO equity, right? So there is a there is a second component of fees that come in. So the net return to those investments will be different from what you could get from a private ec uh, a captive equity fund uh, because there's only one layer of fees, right? So those are some uh, reasons why I feel that we will see continued um, interest and, and launch of these captive uh, funds. Um, but then the next question is, will these investors uh, like to uh, invest in captive funds and um, you know why would they think about something that we talked about in the paper is how is it complementing some of their private equity investments um, investing in CLO equity how is that comparable and a large part of it is you know I sort of think about private equity um, CLO equity is somewhat synthetic private equity um, what I mean by that is you're essentially investing in leveraged loans, first lien senior secured leveraged loans of the LBOs of the same private equity that you're investing in private equity funds. But in CLOs, you're at a first lien level, senior secured in a non-mark to market, diversified anywhere from 150 to 200 issuers, right? So even if something goes wrong in a few, you essentially have a lot of diversification, so the impact is not that high. Uh, but more importantly, the distributions are on a quarterly basis. So unlike C private equity, which has a J curve, on CLO equity, you continuously get distributions on a quarterly basis. You know that can range from anywhere from fifteen to twenty percent. So there is a very um, strong case to be made as a diversifier uh, because you're essentially investing in the same issuers but at a different risk profile. Um, and it, the returns are gonna be range bound, but they are also going to be pretty high on an average in the 15, 20% return, which is what private equity funds expect in the long run. And how do you think that compares um, to other private market alternatives that LPs might be considering, like private credit, for example? I mean, on a on a levered basis you might be able to get to those kinds of returns um in senior direct lending some people might suggest that you could get pretty close to that on an unlevered basis in areas like mares and kind of other junior debt um so uh, you know and i guess this all comes in the context of people talking constantly about the and i'm doing air quotes here the golden age of private credit Right. So you've just made a very compelling argument for CLO equity. Um, but in terms of the fund structure, it doesn't sound like a million miles from private credit, although it does sound like a departure from the structure of a private equity fund. So given that the regularity of distributions, that kind of thing, like um, the maybe the risk profile to a certain extent, how, how do you think what you just described compares to 
the sort of sales pitch for a private credit fund? Well, so CLO equity is exposed to, generally speaking, um, broadly syndicated loans, right? So the CLO market, BSL, CLO market is, say, a trillion dollar market yeah, at this point in time, uh, plus minus. And um, so your exposure is really to broadly syndicated loans in these type of vehicles. Um, which is a different issuer base versus, you know, private credit issuers, right? So you sort of have a diversification there in terms of what you're exposed to. But more importantly, um, it is an interesting asset class, uh, again, a diversifier, in my opinion, because these CLOs are non-mark to market and they are managed. Uh, what I mean by that is you can trade in and out in these underlying loans. You can manage the losses or deterioration in your portfolio by swapping out of one industry into another, one name into the other, right? Which is very limited when you go into a very illiquid private credit type of investments. Um, so it's just a different type of uh, investment uh, profile, but it allows you to generate pretty high returns alongside and the other thing is, you know, in my in my opinion, as an investor, you know, you could be a pension fund or or any of these financial institution investors who are looking for for exposure to credit. They should be looking at private credit. They should be looking at CLO equity. They should be looking at um, even private uh, equity. But these are all different ways to get exposure to these markets. And um, they are they are not large exposures, right? You can have a very diversified portfolio. So I think what I'm trying to say is it's complementary rather than one over the other because they do have their own interesting um, ways to be able to generate returns with a very different um, risk return profile and a different exposure to the underlying credit uh, when it comes to at least private credit and BSL. That makes sense. Um, I guess the, the the other story, uh, which is almost the flip side of the golden age of private credit narrative, is that um, it's not exactly a great age for private equity, right? In terms of exit scenarios and valuations, and you're seeing a lot about a lot of news about. Um, secondary sales and uh, continuation funds and, and that kind of thing. So that obviously is partly driven by the fact that the M&A pipeline and, and the M&A environment was not not great at all, I guess, to say the least last year. Um, all, all of these things are connected, I guess. Um, but, you know, on the one hand, you've got this golden age of private credit potentially like a, a good age for CLO equity um, and a good risk profile for that. Do you think that it's the inherent attractiveness of CLO equity that makes it an attractive investment option right now? Or is it is that attractiveness bolstered by the fact that private equity has taken such a downer in terms of its kind of um, attractiveness over the past year or so? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think CLO equity and in general CLOs are all weather products. Uh, what I mean by that is, 
you know, whether you have a very volatile environment, um, there is ways to be able to be opportunistic, you know, mitigate your risk, um, manage the underlying portfolio to be able to generate return. And then if there is a very benign environment, your cost of financing typically is very low in the market on a relative basis. And hence you have what we call the spread arbitrage in the CLS, right? So generally speaking, just as a, as a you know, top-down thought, CLO do work well in all different types of markets. Um, what it does make it interesting further as a diversifier, especially if an investor is looking at private equity, is the very fact that now these CLOs can be created using or investing in the first lien debt of the same issuers that have been issued over the last few years and can generate pretty high returns on a total return basis um, can be picked up at discounted levels from the secondary market, right? So there is a lot of value embedded in these underlying assets that give an attractive diversified investment opportunity with a very clear path to exit on these transactions mm -hmm. because the total return is by the loans getting paid out over a period of time and distributions that you get on a quarterly basis, right? So there is a very uh, visible finite return that can be captured. While on the private equity funds, like you said, there's not as much of issuance, so new investments are harder to find. And um, the exit is still a question mark in terms of when that can happen, how, how you're gonna be able to monetize the backend nature uh, or return of capital. Um, through private equity, right? So there is a case to be made as to how you can still take advantage of that market, but through the credit lens rather than the private equity lens. So, so maybe to close out the discussion, we've been talking a lot about various investment opportunities and risk reward ratios and that kind of thing. ETFs is a big kind of topic, has been a big topic in, in the CLO market, a lot of promise and, and talk there. Um, it was only in the past couple of weeks, I think, that we saw a Bitcoin ETF be finally approved, right? So when it comes to CLO ETFs, uh, if Bitcoin can have one um, and that can be a success, do you think CLO ETFs have a kind of widespread future? Are they going to become a, a bigger part of, of the market going forward? Definitely. There is no doubt in my mind. Um, in fact, we are already seeing that over the last two to three years, there have been a few number of ETFs, CLO focused ETFs that have been launched and I expect more ETFs to continue to launch here for CLOs. And, um, you know, it's interesting because if you think about the investor base for CLOs, right, pre 2008-9 crisis, you had only banks involved and gradually you had hedge funds and, you know, total return um, type of strategies started investing in CLOs. and. Now you have institutional investors over the five, six years where you've seen pensions involved in CLOs. And it's just a matter of time where retail can pick up on this. Um, if you think about the asset class itself, uh, it is fascinating in terms of how minimal impairment it has seen over the last 20, 30 years. 
So S&P has this um, um, statistic since 1996 through 2022, literally only 51 tranches out of 17,000 plus tranches that they had rated has had impairment in some form, um, which is a, a very uh, fascinating number, but not very well known. And so more investors are looking at this. Retail investors are looking for CLO investments in an efficient way, and ETFs will be able to provide that. So I do expect that continued growth in the ETF market uh, or retail market in general for CLOs going forward. Bringing CLOs to the masses. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Himani, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, been really interesting discussion at a very kind of pivotal time for the loan market and the CLO market. So thanks for all your insight. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me, Will. Well.